Welcome, welcome back to the pod. I am so glad you're here for this episode because it is something that I'm asked about all the time. And it is not just in my Instagram DMs. It's not just in my beginner programs. It is all of my clients, like all of them. And there's a reason why the title of this episode is in the present tense, how I overcome imposter syndrome, because it is not that I overcame imposter syndrome one time and have never dealt with it again. No, no. Imposter syndrome finds you at every level, in every season. (laughs) And it is just an inevitability of living a life where you push yourself, where you have big goals, where you stretch yourself, where you are growing, right? Because you are doing things that you've never done before and you're stepping into identities that you have never held before and you are exploring and moving and shaking things up. So imposter syndrome is just like a natural byproduct, a natural experience of the path that we have chosen, my friend, because I know that if you're here listening to this podcast and like if this episode spoke to you and you clicked in, like you are someone with big goals. You are someone who knows you are meant for more. You have amazing potential that you haven't tapped into yet. And quite frankly, that's a journey. And it can be scary because imposter syndrome is probably going to slap you in the face at some point. And it's something that can slow you down. It's something that can make you play small. It's something that can even make you quit sometimes if you don't have the right tools and accountability and support and encouragement around you. And so I want this episode to be a resource, but also a way for you to feel seen and understood and less crazy because imposter syndrome is very real. And it is something that I don't think I've ever had a client not have any experience with. Like every single one of my clients who are all amazing, capable, ambitious, qualified, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, women, like they've all experienced it. Even my clients who are like on track for a seven figure business, even my clients who have hit six figures, even my clients who have completely full rosters in their coaching businesses and, you know, get their clients five star amazing results. Everyone has felt it. So welcome in. This is a safe space to be honest with yourself about your imposter syndrome, but let's also not just like unpack and hang out here in imposter land. We also want to move through it and find some solutions as well. What I want to do first though is kind of give a bit of a overview of like what imposter syndrome is, how to tell if you have imposter syndrome, because I would be willing to bet that a lot of the things that feel like sticking points to you right now could be related back to imposter syndrome and you don't even realize it. And in case you're not familiar with the term imposter syndrome, this is the definition that ChatGPT gave me. It said that imposter syndrome is a psychological phenomenon where individuals, despite evident accomplishments and competence, harbor persistent self-doubt and fear of being exposed as a fraud or imposter. It often leads individuals to attribute their success to luck or external factors rather than acknowledging their own skills and capabilities. Is that resonating? 
I do want to get a bit more like nitty gritty though about it because giving you some real life examples of how this might look for you will help you better identify like where this is coming up for you and where we can shift and make improvements by working on the imposter syndrome. It can manifest in a lot of different ways and you could be experiencing a combination of any of these things. So here are like just some common signs and I'll also kind of riff on them and give you some examples of how I've seen this play out in the female entrepreneurs that I work with as well. So number one, self-doubt, which is just like those feelings of, am I good enough? Can I do this? Not knowing or not being confident and owning your abilities, your skills, your accomplishments, even if there's like evidence to the contrary. And the evidence can even be that like, I have overcome 100% of my hardest days. Like I have survived 100% of my hardest days. I can survive this too. Or the evidence can be that you have accomplished other hard things, even if you haven't been able to like crack this current goal that you have yet you have overcome other things you have accomplished other hard things you have followed through when you've set other goals like we can look at those things as evidence as well and so it's like why am I doubting myself why am I doubting that I'm capable of this when I do have what it takes to do things do hard things I do have experience in this thing so for example um, I have a lot of clients who are maybe newer to the coaching world or they're pivoting their type of coaching that they're doing or whatever and they have so much life experience they have spent hundreds and hundreds or thousands of hours like researching and experimenting and deep diving into like the thing that they want to coach on and they still are like oh but I don't know enough oh I could never help someone with that like why would anyone hire me when in reality like if if a, a beginner in that realm came up to them and was like hey do you have any advice on this they could give like a two-hour PowerPoint presentation with no pre- with no preparation, right? Like when I was first starting out as a fitness coach, I was, you know, a few years into my journey, I definitely didn't have like an exercise science degree or any super formal credentials, if you will. But when my beginner clients came to me and asked, can you coach me? I did have <laughs> so much advice and so much experience and so much like lived expertise to share with them, even though it didn't feel official enough, right? So I definitely had that self-doubt. I definitely wondered like me, am I good enough to do this? Do I have things to share? But as I did it, as I practiced the art and skill of coaching, I was like, oh, I actually do know what I'm talking about, but we're going we're gonna to talk more about solutions in, in a few minutes. Another common sign or symptom of imposter syndrome is perfectionism. So that's where you're setting like unrealistically high standards for yourself. You're feeling this constant need to like meet or exceed these really crazy expectations. And then (laughs) any mistake or like shortcoming is then a sign of incompetence that is validating your imposter syndrome. So you're like, oh my God, it has to be absolutely perfect. I cannot possibly talk about this thing or take a client or label myself as a coach or label myself as an entrepreneur or 
put myself forward for this promotion or apply for this job or whatever it is until I'm absolutely perfect, until I'm 100% qualified, until my resume is like 110% on point, whatever it is, setting these really like crazy, unrealistic high standards. And then when you don't meet them, you're like, oh yeah, I knew, I knew it. I wasn't good enough. I knew I couldn't do it. (laughs) And that is just like such a self-sabotage pattern. Like perfectionism is literally a protection mechanism that we put on ourselves so that we can like validate why we shouldn't leave our comfort zone. Another thing would be attributing your success to luck. Like anytime something good happens in your life, it's just like, oh, that was just like lucky or I was just like in the right place at the right time or that was a coincidence (laughs) or just other external factors rather than acknowledging that you have skills and you've worked hard and you deserve good things and it came to you for a reason. (laughs) Like if you are experiencing good things, I want you to own that. I want you to understand that you worked for that, you prepared for that and you have the skills to get where you want to be and where you are. So if you're feeling like, oh, I just, I just got lucky. And like people are going to find out that I'm not actually supposed to be here. That's imposter syndrome. Another would be feel, fear of failure. This intense fear of failure, even in situations where success is likely, leading to like procrastination, avoiding challenges, which is like another big symptom of imposter syndrome is like you're putting things off and you're avoiding doing the hard things because you're worried that if you do the thing that you know you're supposed to do, you will fail and it will validate your imposter syndrome. That's a very real thing. And like, for example, I see this a lot when I'm talking to new coaches who are potentially interested in working with me in online coach kickstart. They want to set up and launch and grow a successful coaching business. And online coach kickstart literally has a results guarantee. Like we literally guarantee that you will make at least $5,000 in the program And people still are like, but I don't know if it's going to (laughs) work. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm like, I know that it's going to work. I've seen it work hundreds of times. So I know it's going to work if you do the work. So the success is literally inevitable, right? Like your success is guaranteed, but people are still afraid to fail because the reality is I can't do the work for you. The guarantee only works if you show up. The guarantee only works if you execute and you use the coaching available and you actually put yourself out there. So it's like that fear of failure associated, even a guaranteed result is not enough to overcome a fear of failure because our minds are so powerful and our defense mechanisms in our brain, our our brain trying to keep us safe is so powerful. And that's really what all of this comes back to. This imposter syndrome, the procrastination, the perfectionism, it's all trying to keep us safe in our little comfort bubble, right? But that doesn't mean we should stay there. So another symptom would be overachieving. So you are compensating for these feelings of inadequacy by working excessively hard or doing things like to a way higher standard than they need to be done. This was a huge pattern for me. And it's something that I have had to heal and continue to reflect on and process um, over the years, like 
classic Enneagram three, the overachiever wound. But if you are constantly trying to overcompensate and overachieve, you probably are trying to outwork your imposter syndrome. Another would be difficulty accepting praise. So if people compliment you or give you positive feedback or tell you that you did good work, a good job, you might kind of brush it off or you might immediately want to like move on and focus on the next thing. Or you might go back to like the luck thing of, oh, well, it was easy because blah, 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 or so-and-so helped me or yeah, the wind was blowing five miles an hour to the Northwest and that made my life easier. Some just trivial thing, right? So notice that and practice accepting praise, practice owning, you know what? I did do a good job. Thank you. And you don't have to say, I did do a good job. You can just say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Or thank you. I worked hard. Whatever it is, you can receive that. It is safe to receive and own that you did good work or that you are smart or that you have prepared yourself to be in a position of success, right? Another symptom would be constant comparison. So if you're always looking at what other people are doing, especially people who are perceived as more successful. And then you're feeling that like inferiority of like, oh, they're better than me. They're further ahead than me. I hear this a lot with people in the social media world of like, well, why do they have more followers? Why do people like their their thing? Why is their program selling out? Why do they make more money than me? Why are they prettier than me? <laughs> like just in this comparison, self-torture loop and using that again to validate that like imposter syndrome well who am I to show up and do the thing when they've been doing it for five years or they've been doing it for 10 years right like a lot of my clients will compare themselves to me baby girl I have been doing this for 10 years a decade a decade I have put in well over my 10,000 hours of mastery on content creation, on coaching, on speaking, on writing, like I have done my time. <laughs> and so if you've been in this world for six months, six weeks, six days, whatever it is, like that is not a fair comparison to yourself. When I tell you my first content was so cringe, so bad. When I tell you my first YouTube video was literally titled my obligatory awkward intro video. I wish I was kidding. And it still is up there because I think it's important for people to be able to see and look back. You can also scroll all the way back on my Instagram if you want. Um, but there's well over 6,000 posts. So I think your thumb would actually cramp. But my point is be very careful who you're comparing yourself to. And if you f are falling into this constant comparison, mute them. Don't look at that person's content. Don't get into that cycle because the only way that you're going to feel worthy is by putting in the reps and giving yourself positive feedback as you go and building that confidence muscle through showing up, right? So more, more on the solutions in a minute. Um, another would be just like fear of discovery. Like what if people find out? <laughs> like if you think that you are an imposter and you don't deserve to take up space or have success or whatever it is, you're worried that you're going to be exposed as a fraud. And that can be fear of discovery by like maybe the people that know you in real life as you're trying to grow an online business. That could also be fear of discovery that people on the internet will expose you or people will 
critique you, criticize you over what you're saying or what you're doing, or you're going to get fact-checked or whatever it is. And let me tell you this, I've had all of those things happen to me. I've had clients experience all of those things and we're still here. We're still fine. 99.9% of the time, none of it was even based in reality. And if it was based in reality, then that's an opportunity to actually improve. So you're fine. (laughs) is the moral of the story there. Like if you are worried about being discovered as a fraud, being discovered as a bad person, being discovered as someone who's not worthy of the goals that you have, you are not the type of person that is actually doing bad things. Do you know what I mean? Because the people that are actually malicious, the people that are actually scammers, the people that are actually like doing bad things and making the world a worse place, causing harm, those people are not worried. They're not worried about how people perceive their character. They're not lying awake at night worried that they're going to be exposed, right? Like they're not holding themselves small for fear of what someone else is going to think. So just by default, like if you are experiencing this fear of discovery or the self-doubt or what will people think or what if I don't do a good enough job, that tells me that you have a good heart, that your heart is in the right place, that you are called and qualified to do what you want to do in your life. And by default, you are not the people who actually deserve to get like called out, held accountable, exposed, et cetera, et cetera. And if that by some chance did happen to you, you would be okay. You would come out on the other side stronger and more solid in your value and in yourself. That doesn't mean it's fun, but you would be okay. And one more that I wanted to point out in terms of like a sign that you're dealing with imposter syndrome is reluctance to seek help hesitating to seek help or get support from someone who allegedly, let's say, knows more than you or has done the thing that you want to do or has better education, resources, expertise than you. Because if you did that, it could be perceived, it could be confirmation of weakness or incompetence. Like, oh, if I need help, then I must really be an imposter. When in reality, it is the most successful people that surround themselves with the most support. Like think about, for example, Olympic athletes. They all have coaches. They all have trainers. They all have people who are on the ground, if you will, giving them feedback and insight and cues and accountability and different frameworks or methods to try. Like even the people at the world-class tippy top of their field have coaches. And so if you are like holding yourself back from seeking help because you feel like it would be more like virtuous or more impressive to figure it out on your own, joke's on you because you're just making it harder and you're validating (laughs) your like fear that this is hard and you're not cut out for it. Because if you actually had and equipped yourself with the support and strategy and frameworks and all of that to get where you wanted to go, it would come to you so much more easily. You'd be seeing results faster. You'd be able to actually create this body of evidence that you do have what it takes and that you are smart enough and you do have enough experience and you do have a good heart and you are qualified, but you're just making it even harder. Like it's a self-sabotage thing to not seek help and not admit that 
someone else might know more than you, right? Like it is this weird cognitive bias or like cognitive dissonance where it's like, I'm afraid that like everyone's better than me, but also I'm not going to get help to get better because that would verify or validate or confirm, I should say, that everyone's better than me and I don't deserve it. No, no, no. Like the fastest way to improve is to seek help, is to seek mentorship, is to seek support. And once you get over that mental hurdle and like kind of ego hurdle, then you will be able to get better so much faster. And again, build that evidence that like, oh, I am good at this. I just needed kind of the right like frameworks and I needed the right accountability and I needed the right support, but I do have what it takes. And those are just some of the signs of imposter syndrome. I'm sorry if you feel um, like exposed right now because you're like, yes, that is all me, 100%. But the reality is I've experienced all of these things before. Like I have a seven-figure business. I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years and I've experienced all of these things. I've helped hundreds and honestly thousands of women like reach goals and make progress and like build their dream life. Like I, I've done a lot, right? Like I have so many reasons to be confident in what I do. And also along the way, I have experienced every single one of the things that I just said. And none of that is a sign that you're not cut out for it or that your imposter syndrome is like true. Right. And something that's really interesting is that imposter syndrome has been shown to be more prevalent in women, but like, are we really surprised? right? Are we really surprised? Um, I did pull some stats on this, but according to a study conducted by the International Journal of Behavioral Science, approximately 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their career, and women tend to experience it at higher higher rates than men. And this phenomenon is particularly prevalent in professional and academic settings where women might feel additional pressures due to gender biases and stereotypes. So entrepreneurship, business, um, corporate, STEM, education, whatever it might be, like there are so many biases that women are fighting against. And I don't know about you, but like whenever I've been in a room with a bunch of men, like brainstorming ideas or like having a business meeting or whatever, like they're never stopping to question like, oh, can I do this? Oh, am I qualified for that? No, no. The male audacity is like the eighth wonder of the world that you're just like baffled by and like impressed by, but also confused by because I have seen and sat in on so many conversations where like, yeah, I mean, how hard could it be? Whereas the conversations that I'm having with my clients are often so steeped in this like self-doubt or imposter syndrome and it takes time and it takes processing and it takes like releasing these blocks to take action and I just don't see that as much in men. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it does, but I'm not surprised, I should say, that women tend to experience imposter syndrome at a higher rate than men. But over 70% of people have experienced it. So you are certainly not not alone. I just don't think that people talk about it as much as they should because it could ultimately validate like all the things that imposter syndrome makes us fear, right? And healing our imposter syndrome or at least facing it and processing it and owning it so that we can ultimately overcome it 
one season at a time because like I said I think that it is cyclical and it does come back as you continue to like forge ahead and like find new edges in your growth and your development but it is something that we need to like take seriously and we need to address not just because of our goals and it like holding us back from doing the things that we want to do but it also can have serious effects on mental health and on our like satisfaction on our happiness. I did see another statistic that research from the American Psychological Association um, indicates that imposter syndrome can lead to burnout and decreased job satisfaction or career satisfaction. And that makes complete sense because it feels like this battle if you just let it linger and fester and you're never actually moving forward. So I want to give you a few kind of actionable tips and tools that you can implement and think about. I kind of tried to weave some of these into the signs and symptoms of imposter syndrome as well. But one of the tools would be self-affirmations and positive self-talk. So something that perpetuates our imposter syndrome are these like automatic negative thoughts. My therapist calls them that. She calls them ants. And when we can become a, become aware of our uh, automatic negative thoughts, then we can start shifting them. So let's say an automatic negative thought of yours is always like, I don't know how to do that right? Like, let's say that's, that is your default is when you are met with a challenge or a question, you're like, I don't know how, or I don't know, right? A different way to reframe that could be as simple as I haven't figured it out yet, or I'm figuring this out because that has an expectation of success that has an expectation and a shift into a growth mindset of like, okay, I'm acknowledging that I haven't done the thing that I want to do. I don't know the skill that I want to learn, whatever it is, but I'm working on it. I'm in progress. It's going to happen. So even shifting into that type of positive self-talk and just reframing those automatic negative thoughts can go a really long way and it will feel tiresome at first because you're like, oh my God, reframing this for the 30,000th time. But eventually the positive or at least like neutral, I would say is great as well. The neutral reframe becomes the automatic thought. So imagine if all these negative biases, you confronted them within yourself and you reprogrammed them to be at least neutral, if not supportive, imagine the power that you would hold. And so that sounds really easy. I don't want to say it's easy. It's simple, right? Like that's not this groundbreaking thing that you've probably never heard about, but just bringing awareness to your automatic negative thoughts and reframing them is really great. Also taking that a step further and feeding yourself positive affirmations, whether that's when you're journaling, when you're meditating, putting like a post-it on your mirror for you to look at when you're getting ready in the morning, like just flooding yourself with encouragement. Um, Also, that could be listening to really like positive podcasts like this. I'm so proud of you for being here and working on this and facing this stuff because your imposter syndrome probably didn't want you to listen to the listen to this episode. So just surrounding yourself with more positive self-talk goes a really long way. Another tool that I want you to 
pursue is building a support system. I know I talked about that a bit in the last kind of section, but if you can surround yourself with supportive people over time, that will also reprogram the way that you see yourself. Because if the people around you are consistently seeing you in a higher regard than you are seeing yourself, it's kind of inevitable for you to start trending there and being like, oh, I don't, I trust that they're not all lying to me. I trust that they are seeing me and there must be some truth here, right? So whether that is your friend group, your romantic partner, your family, or if that is like a business program. So for example, that's why all of my programs, I do have private coaching, but like my core two programs both have a community element because being surrounded by supportive people, people who see your potential, people who hold you to your potential and speak about it and encourage you goes such a long way, not just in in combating imposter syndrome, but also accountability and motivation and learning. Like it just is magic and the momentum of it is contagious. And so if you can surround yourself with this positive network and this support, positive circle, then your imposter syndrome honestly like doesn't stand a chance, right? As long as you actually come into this circle and you're vulnerable and you're honest and you bring all of yourself to that work, like your imposter syndrome does not stand a chance. It is just a matter of time before we overwrite that, right? So finding your circle is huge, whether that again is like friends, family, whatever, but also being in it, being in the room with people who are doing what you're doing and they like truly get it is game changing for me. I remember the first time I ever went to a mastermind retreat, like the first ever mastermind I joined when I went to our retreat, that was like the first time that I ever felt like I could really be honest about how big my goals were and no one was going to laugh at me. No one was going to think I was delusional. No one was going to not take me seriously. Like I said what my goals were. I said what my vision was and they were like, yeah, let's make it happen. Right. And I felt so, I felt this powerful shift, like in that moment of like, oh, okay, these are my people, like this is what was missing from my circle. And that's not to say that the other people in my life at that time weren't amazing. They were, but you just need that level. Like you need the people who get it, who don't just support you and cheer you on and clap for you, but like they get it. That goes such a long way. Another actionable tool I want you to experiment with is embracing failure. And seeing failure as your stepping stone to success, seeing failure as part of the process, because part of imposter syndrome is protecting us from failing. Part of it is being like keeping us safe in our bubble and protecting us from judgment, protecting us from being exposed, protecting our our ego from being hurt. And if we are able to have a more positive relationship with failure, you can see how that takes the power of imposter syndrome away, right? So if we can look at failure as this stepping stone and and as a natural part of the process to reach our goals, you are going to be able to move faster, make more money, get more things done, and you're just going to be able to really get out of your own way. And I have failed so spectacularly over the course of my business, the course of my career, the course of having an audience on the internet. Like I have failed so many times 
And what I can tell you is, well, it does hurt. Like there's always a bit of like a oof, a little sting. Sometimes it, it really does take you all the way down to your knees, depending on how big of a failure it is. But all of my failures have taught me more than any one of my successes. Like all the the launch that flopped taught me more than the launch that was like the biggest, easiest launch ever, right? The program that no one bought taught me more about selling and marketing than the one that popped off. The client nightmares that (laughs) had to bring my lawyer and pay him a lot of money and things like that, like that taught me more about boundaries and protecting my energy and trusting my intuition than the dream, easy, amazing self-led clients, right? So the, the times that I have failed have been painful, yes, but also so important for my growth. And I just would not be where I am and I wouldn't be able to hold the things that I can hold without them. Like that's just, that's just the truth. And then the last thing would be journaling. And I know that journaling is a little bit like ambiguous, but if you can use journaling as this like tool to reflect and just bring forward the thoughts, the underlying thoughts and beliefs that you have about yourself and then challenge them and choose your new thoughts, that will be a really powerful and simple tool for kind of reprogramming and shifting and something I've actually been doing with my clients and also for free in my Instagram broadcast channel is daily mindset work until 2024. We started that several weeks ago. I want to say maybe beginning of November, not exactly sure, but we've been doing that for a while. And I can tell you like, this is the most consistent I've been with journaling and mindset work in a minute. And the more you do it, the more you come up with things like things come to the surface that you didn't realize were there and so if you can get into the habit of journaling and self-reflection and writing about what you're feeling and also who you want to be and how you want to feel instead it will go a very very long way so if you're not already join my free broadcast channel if you go to my instagram profile it's right there it's literally called daily mindset work until 2024 i have like some prompts in there i have some resource recommendations i have some books that I love, stuff like that. But like above all, I am posting in there every day, like, did you do your daily mindset work as a accountability reminder? So go ahead and join that. And then a couple other things that I want you to practice and really make a habit is recognizing and celebrating your achievements. Like when something goes well, when you check a box when you achieve something when you finish a project when you sign a client when you get a bonus when you paint a room in your house whatever it is when you do a thing i want you to celebrate it i want you to recognize your achievements i want you to be proud of yourself and i want you to take a beat like i know that so many of the people in my world are achievers like high achievers have high expectations because of course we are attracted to each other. But the downside of that archetype is that we struggle to slow down and appreciate and give ourselves credit for just how capable we are. But if we brush that off, if we're never acknowledging that we did a good job or achieved something, if we never recognize that stuff, then of course it's going to feel like we're never good enough. It's going to feel like 
that we're, we're not accomplished enough. We're, we're never enough. So if you can take a beat, celebrate the wins, big and small, that will help you start building this body of evidence that you do got it. You are capable. You are worthy, all the things. And even without your wins, you are worthy, right? You are deserving just because you are. But if we can get into the habit of sitting with our accomplishments and our achievements and the good things just as much as we're critical and setting goals and thinking about what's next, that will go a really big way, a long way. Um, And then a few more things to just consider and sit with is that perfection is not possible. So practicing the idea that done is better than perfect and letting things be like 90%. And then also, like I was saying before, shifting your focus and your beliefs from like, I don't know how, I'm not ready, I can't do that, to like, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm figuring it out, I'm on my way. And just really seeing everything as this process and this grand experiment. That has gone such a long way for me in my journey. And I know that you too will feel so much stronger in the face of imposter syndrome if you are able to practice the things that I have shared today. Remember that doing your best is plenty and your best is going to look different every single day. Also remember, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. Keep up the good work. I'm so glad that you tuned in to this episode and I could remind you of all of these things. I would love to hear your takeaways and get some feedback. Let me know if this was helpful to you. Send me an Instagram DM, tag me in your stories, whatever it is. As always, don't forget to subscribe so that you're notified of the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, keep getting happier, healthier, wealthier. Keep making bank. Bye.